You're listening to Managing Leadership Anxiety, Yours and Theirs, a podcast offered in partnership with Missio Alliance. Each episode, we discuss internal and relational pressures, how they block effective leadership, and how we can move through them to a greater health. And now your host, Steve Hills. Hey, friends. Hey, welcome to 2022. Congratulations, you made it. No small feat nowadays that here we are facing a new year. I, I remember at the end of 2020, I, you know, I think we were naively thinking that 2021 would be so much better. And of course, it came with its own challenges. I think maybe a little less intense, but boy, the marathon, right, of challenges seems to remain. So here we are in 2022. It's a new year. Hopefully cautiously optimistic that we're learning to run this marathon. This is the Managing Leadership Anxiety Podcast. This is episode number 122. For my sharp listeners and podcast nerds and the rest of you who don't care at all, we're moving our numbering system. We're no longer talking uh, seasons. In the early days, I did what I teasingly described as like BBC seasons, just a handful of episodes a season. And suddenly we got into season eight after two and a half years. It felt a bit ridiculous. So episode numbers, one, two, two for this one. I don't tend to be a hype guy, but I think I'm actually the most excited about this season. I look back on the show and the guests we've had and uh, my mind is blown at who's been willing to come on the show and, and what they've shared. And by golly, this year... Heading into some incredible guests next week, Kerry Newhoff is joining me. He has what I believe is the best book on time management I've ever read because it really focuses on energy management, gives super practical tools and great thing for January. So that's next week. Uh, Dr. Felicia Harris is coming out, somebody you may not have heard of, I believe. In fact, she told me that I was her first ever podcast interview. She was a powerhouse. Uh, talking about family of origin and really going into trauma and making sense. Ian Cron is joining me uh, this season. Katie Cole, one of my favorites who talks about women in leadership uh, and also has so much to bring. Uh, the good Dr. Glenn Packiam, my dear friends, Holly and Howard Satterthwaite, uh, these incredible pastors in, in urban London, uh, pastoring this historic uh, church in London in such a radical way. Dr. Angie Ward, my dear friend, Mark Sayers, fellow Aussie, and more. Uh, we're still booking our guests, but uh, we're almost full up for this season. So that's what's coming. And uh, what I've decided to do is now that I am full-time in this work, I'll be releasing more episodes where I'm giving you tangible tools. And this is one of those episodes. Uh, today, we're going to talk about one facet of differentiation, which is known as detachment. So we're going to look at one of the opposites of differentiation. Then in a future episode, I'll record an episode on enmeshment. So we're going to look at differentiation, detachment, and enmeshment. What are they? And uh, what's the problem? And how can we get some help with them? So that's where we're heading uh, this season. Listen, love to hear from my listeners. Uh, and, and just so you know, your feedback shapes my content. So please shoot me an email. Steve at stevecusswords.com. That's how easy I am to find. You can also uh, slide into, do people still say that? Slide into my DMs. Is that, like, that's dating me now, right? I'm now an aged man. Anyway, you can DM me on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is at stevecusswords. But reach out, let me know what you'd like to hear, and I'll be shaping some content, whether it's on this podcast or my email list. A couple of more things before we get into our, our meat of our content. 
got a brand new website. And I'm going to ask everyone if you would just indulge me and go visit www.stevecusswords.com. You can grab free resources there. I've created just a dead simple downloadable PDF, The Five Steps to Lower Anxiety. Listen, it's dead simple. And for my long-term listeners, I would suspect there's not a lot of new content on there. But sometimes just having it in one handy place, having the rem- the reminder is helpful. So take a visit to stevecusswords.com. You can sign up for my newsletters if you want. Um, giving me your email is also the best way to know what's coming up. I'll be offering some free Zooms this year that you can join. So if you uh, get on my email list, that's your best chance to keep up uh, with what I'm doing. Also, uh, until we get into the content here, my travel schedule is fully booked through June, end of June. But if uh, you or your organization would like me to come and do a keynote or a workshop, um, you know, get in touch. You can email me and uh, we can chat about options there. And of course, I do some Zoom work as well. Um, so that's what's going on with me. The transition. Oh my goodness. It, gosh, I don't know how to say this without tearing up. I, I, I feel like it could not have gone better. Uh, Zach Krieger is our new lead pastor. He's a fantastic fellow, gifted leader. And uh, through the Christmas season, handed over to him. And it was just a delightful, very sweet time of blessing for Lisa and me and for our family. The, the church really came around us. And a lot of people in the community that we've worked with too just came around us. A lot of people that I haven't seen since before COVID came out of their way to come and uh, farewell us and give us their blessing. And it was unbelievable. It was incredibly emotional. And uh, it just, it feels great. I, I feel really good about discovery, about Zach. I feel really good about my role. I will be coming back to discovery in April as an associate pastor, working maybe 20 hours a month or so, preaching a little bit, being very supportive of Zach behind the scenes and doing some pastoral care. And then uh, this is now my work, the podcast, my online community, my speaking, and my writing. These are my four main roles. And so January through March is really about getting a lot more content out for you. I filmed a series of videos for Right Now Media late last year, and they'll be released early this year. And then I'm going to be releasing a a simple journal, kind of a daily, calm, aware, present journal where you can walk through 90 or 100 days. And then we'll be releasing some devotionals and and sermon guides for people who want to preach through anxiety. All kinds of stuff coming out of the pipeline. And again, if you just go to my website, stevecusswords.com, get on my email list. And uh, that'll be the best way to know when I'm releasing stuff. And, you know, you can obviously take or leave as you need. Okay, let's talk about differentiation. And I'm actually going to talk about it fairly quickly because for most of my listeners, you're familiar with it. Differentiation is, of course, the cornerstone concept, to quote Dr. Roberta Gilbert, the cornerstone concept of systems theory. Hey, new listeners, if maybe someone told you about this podcast, maybe someone said to you, hey, you know what you need in 2022? You need uh, to lower reactivity, increase connectedness, go from anxious to calm, aware, and present. Maybe they sent you this podcast. So welcome, new listeners. I've got a whole slew of back episodes that you can chase for tools and, of course, my website as well. But uh, let me catch you up because some of my veteran listeners are familiar with this. Differentiation is simply the difficult ability to manage your reactivity so it doesn't spill out into someone else and at the same time manage their reactivity so you don't catch it. 
I guess at its simplest term, differentiation is the ability to stop escalation before it starts. That's really what it is. Differentiation is actually five things. And in my third recording, in a few weeks' time, the episode will come out. I'm going to teach those five things. But one opposite of differentiation is enmeshment, right? Like when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Or enmeshment in the scripture in the book of Matthew, Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem was troubled with him. That's enmeshment. That's one opposite of differentiation. I struggle with enmeshment. It's the kind of person, oftentimes in the caring profession, who gets wrapped up in other people's business. If somebody else isn't okay, it's very difficult for you to be okay. That's next week's episode. Today, I want to talk about the opposite challenge, which is detachment. So if differentiation is the happy middle, enmeshment is one extreme where you catch everyone's anxiety and you spread it. And the other extreme is detachment. You're indifferent. You're numb. Uh, you don't want to get caught up in it all. You, you don't know how to emotionally connect. Sometimes detachment can look really sophisticated. For example, when somebody comes to you with a massive problem, something that's overwhelming, and you're not even aware of it, but you give them pithy advice that doesn't actually help. You shrink their problem down to a size that you can manage. That's because you struggle with detachment. You don't know how to get into it. You don't like mess and chaos. A great example of detachment in my life is, I've shared this before, but my daughter, who by the way is 15 today, her birthday's today. She got a driving permit. I'm going to go pick her up from school right after this and see if she wants to go drive in the snow with me in a parking lot. But I digress. But my delightful daughter, Kaylee, she loves, loves, loves Gilmore Girls, the TV show. And I find myself detaching from it because I, I can't handle the drama, the, the constant escalation. Uh, because I'm a systems theorist and I, I'm trained to notice recurring patterns, it drives me crazy when Lorelai and her mom, Emily, have the same fight for seven years or something. So I detach from that show. I, I make fun of it. I try to avoid it, things like that. Uh, detachment is really for those who think you're above it all. Some of you, you think you're better than other people who are in chaos, but it's actually that you struggle with detachment. Because I struggle with enmeshment, I'm, I'm more comfortable and I think I'm better at teaching enmeshment. And I've been working lately, just in my own teaching and work, on getting better at teaching detachment. So I've been paying more attention to detachment lately. I've been trying to look for where I experience it from others what's happening in me when someone is detached from my problems and what do I do to try to get them to care? And God's very good to me. God gave me two great opportunities to really study detachment in December, both involving very large companies that had bureaucratic mistakes that affected my family to where I had to get on the phone and sit on hold go through the robocall to push the numbers and say the voices and try to get to a human to solve the problem. This happened twice to me in December. And uh, these were, uh, to be honest, infuriating. And I got quite angry at one of them. I'm not proud of it, but I lost my temper at one customer service agent. That's when I realized, okay, I need a break. I'm, I'm now raising my voice at a human being. This isn't good. Which, by the way, is some of my own family of origin that I've worked very hard on. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling here, but, but it was two companies. One of them was a cell phone company. Uh, our family over um, Thanksgiving changed, changed cell phone providers after years. 
the new company had tremendous trouble porting our numbers as five of us. And so there was a five day period where we couldn't uh, make or receive texts, make or receive calls. Uh, once in a while, one of us could call out, but we couldn't contact each other. It was really tough. I actually added it up. I spent 10 to 11 hours on the phone over four days, not five days. It was a five-day problem, but over four days, I spent 10 or 11 hours. On one of those days, I spent six hours on the phone trying to get this phone company to resolve their own problem, um, which was deeply affecting us. Out of the 10 or 11 hours, we, we finally got it resolved. I probably interacted with about 12 to 15 customer service agents. I, I didn't keep count. Some of them in the porting department and some of them in tech support. And out of the 12 to 15, I met two that cared where I felt seen. I felt my concerns were matched. When I told them what was going on, they were outraged at their own company. They're like, this is completely unacceptable. This should not be. And then they committed, I'm going to walk with you, Steve, until we get this resolved. But two out of 12, two out of 15, something like that, really low percentages. And I spent hours with people who would say the right words, but it didn't hit me. It was detached. So what I've learned is if you want to study detachment at its worst, call a customer service agent at a big company. Not all of them, of course. I'm not, I'm not making a blanket statement, but find the ones that have been trained to say the words on the script, but they don't actually know how to say it in a way that communicates care. And then they don't provide service that actually cares for you. So what would happen is I'd finally get to a human. I'd tell them what was going on. Sometimes we'd get cut off after 40 minutes and I'd have to call and then I'd have to start all over again. The system did not let me pick up where I left off. It did not let me talk to the same person again. So that that's detachment. I just felt powerless. Then when I would get to somebody, they either wouldn't take it seriously, they didn't actually believe that our phones weren't working, or they would just tell me how sorry they were in the most monotone, detached way. And then almost in a mocking way, they would also tell me in a monotone, detached way, how glad they are that I'm part of the family of this company. I'm not going to name the company, but they would say, you know, we here at Blank Company love our customers and we just treat you like family. And I remember at one of my worst moments, this is when I knew I needed some space. I said to the customer service agent, if this is how you treat family, let's hang up and I'm calling uh, protective services because I'm being neglected. <laughs> it was it was bad. When I'm angry and anxious, I get snarky. It's not good. But I'm human and that's what happened. But again and again, I would run into customer service agents that would say, oh, I'm sorry that you're having this experience, Steve, but it didn't hit my heart. It didn't hit my heart. And so what would happen in me is I would notice a feeling of powerlessness. And then what I would do is I would feel a need to overpower their detachment by using more power to try to get them to connect to me. I don't know if that makes sense. But some of you who struggle with detachment, maybe you're married and maybe your spouse doesn't feel like you really care when they're in chaos. Maybe you're a fixer, you know, one of those people that like to fix and give simple advice. You don't know how to sit with someone when they're overwhelmed. And sometimes what you'll find is the calmer you get, 
the more excitable your spouse gets. And that then, you then start to judge them and blame them. But what's actually happening is a dynamic between you. It's not that your spouse is crazy and hysterical. It's that because you're detached, they feel a need to bring more power to the table to try to get you to connect. And that's what happened with me and these customer service agents. They would be utterly indifferent to my suffering. I mean, after three or four days of my family not being able to communicate and use our phones, you know, my wife's a therapist and her phone wasn't working, people trying to get a hold of her. It was really a problem. And of course, yes, first world problems, absolutely, but still preventable problem. After three or four days of that, when I would talk and try to say, listen, this is my 11th call. You are my fifth person I've talked to. It would never escalate on their side. They would never say, oh my goodness, Steve, this should not be your experience. I'm so sorry. They would just recite the same line they were trained in. Now, in case you're interested, I don't blame the individuals. Even though I got upset at one of them, I don't blame the individuals. It's a management problem. It's a culture problem. This person's just doing their job with the tools that they were equipped to do their job with. I don't, I don't blame them. But still, what's happening is when I'm faced with indifference, whether I mean to or not, I'm now raising my voice or pleading my case, trying to use power to get them to care. Those of you who struggle with detachment, this is the counterintuitive move. Some of you think you should just stay above it all, but by doing so, you're just generating more anxiety in your loved ones or, or your team. All people want is to feel seen and heard and understood. Most people don't actually need their problem solved. Now, in my case with the phone company, yes, I had a problem I needed it solved. But before that, I just needed to be seen and heard. And there was a lady in the porting department, a level two porting. I got to level two, everybody blew through level one pretty quickly. And I, I got her attention I, and I was very calm. And I said, here's what's going on. We've been trying for several days and I've been working with one of your agents, but her day off today and we really want to get assault. And this lady, I'll call her Polly. Polly said, Steve, this is absolutely unacceptable. This should not be your experience I'm so sorry. This is a terrible first impression you've had with our company. And here's what I'd like to do, Steve. I'd like to stay on the phone with you through the whole encounter. And I'm not going to stop until this is solved. Now, it may not be solved right now. And it might be a few hours. It might even be tomorrow. But I give you my word. I'm going to stay on this until it's solved. Now, there is somebody who is moving toward me, connecting and lowering my anxiety because I'm feeling seen heard, and understood. And sure enough, for whatever crazy reason, it took her about two days, two and a half days from that moment to get it resolved. But one of the, one of the situations that happened as I, I was on hold as she was transferring to the tech department and we got a tech on the phone. We had a weird bureaucratic deal where they wouldn't accept my PIN number to give them when uh, so they could access my account. And so... The porting department accepted my PIN number and the tech department would not accept the same PIN number. And then I just had nowhere to go. It was crazy. And so at one point that we're on the phone, the three of us, Polly from the porting, and I don't remember who it was from tech. And the tech guy says, I'm sorry, we can't help you because your PIN doesn't match our records. And then I heard Polly lose it with the tech guy. It was great. Polly's like, listen, I've had enough of this. This is ridiculous. And she tells this guy off. 
And she explains to him that she's looking at my pin number on her screen and it's fine. And that he needs to figure this out because she's done messing with customers. And so just hearing another person outraged at my problem, uh, what I'm getting at here, guys, is, is her level of frustration to me fit the situation. This is another good lesson for differentiation. Sometimes it's okay for your level of frustration to actually escalate. That doesn't mean that you're anxious. I, I think my sisters and brothers who are people of color, particularly, you know, as a white guy, it, it's, it is a, a point of privilege that uh, the, the, the situations that affect them don't affect me. Therefore, I can have a, a less outrage response. And when people are outraged, I sit in judgment and say, oh, you should calm down. But actually, no, their response is often matching the, the situation. That's what's going on here with this cell company. What I'm trying to say is those of you who struggle with detachment, I just want to be careful for some of you who think it's a positive trait. And I don't think it is. I would invite you to work on moving towards someone emotionally. It doesn't mean you get wrapped up in them. It doesn't mean you catch their anxiety. There's no way that Polly went home all spun up about my situation. All she did was have a posture and an openness to be affected by what I was doing so she could change her behavior. Okay, second story, health insurance. Uh, now that I'm no longer full-time at the church, I'm providing out of my own pocket health insurance for my family. And those of you who are international listeners, I have a family of five. $1,700 a month is my premium. That's just the premium for the insurance. That's not any medical expenses. Crazy in America, really expensive. And so we're going with a company. And again, I won't name it. But I got it set up in the open enrollment period, did everything right. I'm working with an agent. And then the company sent us our health cards. They called me for my first payment. They emailed me confirmation that they got my payment. Everything's fine. This is early December. On December 30th, I checked the mail. And there's a letter from the company saying they were not able to get my payment and I need to call right away or they're going to cancel my policy. So I call right away, of course, December 30th. And the guy says, well, we've canceled your policy. There's nothing you can do. You can try back next year for 2023. We wish you well. And he hung up. That was it. He just like absolutely indifferent. And as he's telling me that, I'm trying to interrupt him and say, you don't understand. I have a confirmation from you that I paid. One of the things I've learned in customer service, because I, I get like my sense of right and wrong gets violated really quickly. And then I, I don't like who shows up after that. So one of the things I've learned that's helpful is just to pretend I never called and call again. I just called the number again. I got a second person at the same phone bank. She was like Polly. She said, sir, that's unacceptable. That should not happen. I'm so sorry. I will personally call the cancellations department and see what's going on. And you'll hear from me within an hour. By the end of the night, we had it settled and square and we're covered with insurance again. It was fascinating to me in both times that in the face of, of detachment, my response was anger. And my feeling was, I must work harder to convince you that this is serious. And so just a, another tool for those of you who struggle with detachment, if you simply, in the beginning of your interaction with someone, if you simply take their problem at least as seriously as they do, that's it. That's all you have to do. If you just take their problem at least as seriously as they do, they will feel seen, heard, and connected with. And more often than not, it'll help them relax. 
Those of you in relationships, whether you're in a marriage, maybe a parent, those of you on church staff or in organizational leadership where people come to you and they're all spun up and you're calm and detached and they're not calming down, it might be that they're a hysterical person. It's possible. What's more likely is they feel a need to use more power, which is anger, reactivity, hysteria, all of these tools to try to get you to take the problem seriously. If instead of detaching, you just intentionally move toward them, see them, ask them curious questions, ask them what it's like, ask them how they feel, tell them how you might feel if you were in their situation, tell them that you're with them. This is not rocket science, guys. It's not hard to do. It just takes a heart of intention to differentiate instead of detach. All right, we'll be covering this more this season, but that's it for now. If this raises questions for you, you can email me. Uh, The next episode, we're going to talk about the other opposite of differentiation, which is enmeshment. And uh, just as we close, uh, you know, I'm releasing this episode early in January of 2022. And I just want to share with you that this is the year that you have to invest in tools to help you be calm, aware, and present. Now, there are a number of great tools out there. They don't have to be my tools. Uh, I I have a number of friends. In fact, the last time I referred someone to some friends of mine who do this work was like three hours ago. There are several of us who are in the space of integrating your walk with Jesus, your spiritual health, with your emotional health. But I'm just going to talk about what I'm offering because if you have no other plan, I'm going to ask you this week to join Capable Life. Now, that's a bold thing to say, but here's the thing. As you know, those of you who have listened to me for a while, you know that when I was a chaplain, I had to very quickly learn how to notice anxiety in spaces. And then obviously I went to grad school. I did some formal training in systems theory. I did 20 years of informal training. I taught it for 10 years in my church, wrote the book, all of that. What was surprising to me is that when I became a lead pastor in 2005, is how intentional I had to be about the tools that I'd, I'd known for years. It's almost like lead pastoring increased the pressure and my identity was more wrapped up in my role. It hadn't been before. And suddenly, like my informal use of the tools wasn't cutting it. And so starting in 2005, even though I'd been doing systems theory by then for, uh, what is that, nine years? No, longer, yeah, nine years. I had to really dig a lot deeper and come up with a rule of life a pathway, and then teaching it, studying it broadly and teaching it to people and watching the result. What's working? What's not? Are people grasping it? Do they need a more tangible tool? So I just want to say, listen, you can listen to this podcast. You can read my book or other people's work on this, but just taking it in, you're not going to change. The way to change is externalizing, putting yourself on a path, and you can do it the easy way or the hard way. The hard way is to do what I did. Go be a chaplain and plunge yourself into trauma. Go do some grad studies, teach it for years, learn how to operate it in a book. Do, you know, right now I've done about 50 workshops. Or you can do it the easy way, which is what I'm offering you. All of that learning that I've done, I've put in an actionable path that anyone can walk. As of the recording of this, we have about 400 members all over the world, 15 different countries. I think my long-term listeners know I'm not in the uh, superlative business, but I've got, I, could, I could flood you with life change stories from Capable Life. 
It's $28 a month. It's $280 a year. It's, it's nothing. It's very little investment. Now, it, it is a membership. And some of you might be thinking, oh, I don't like memberships. I don't want that long-term commitment. It's fine. You, we, we've designed this where you can go as deep or as shallow as you want. Uh, some people, they just use it when they need it. It's just there. It's like, a, it's like a reference book on the shelf. They pull it off the shelf when they're stuck. Other people put themselves where they say, okay, I'm going to do 60 minutes a month. And so for some, it's every week. For some, it's once a month. Uh, even a little investment, you get a, you get a lot of change. But really, the secret to transformation is walking an intentional path, whether it's my path or, or someone else's path. The other thing I just want to say to some of you is, is you've been carrying these triggers and pressures for years. And it might be that you're worried that, you know, if I open up this can, is it going to all fill out? I can just say in the path that I built for you, it's very intentional about detangling your anxiety one strand at a time. Because anxiety makes you feel powerless, it's very intentional that you are always in the driver's seat in Capable Life. You're the one deciding what you want to look at, when you want to look at it, and how. So we don't plunge you into trauma. We don't plunge you where you're suddenly you know, in the corner, in the fetal position, we help you detangle where you can choose which piece you want to look at and when. So you're always in control because that's a whole part of anxiety management as well. That's it. That's Capable Life. You can go to www.capablelife.me and that's where you can see where to join. And I uh, would love you to sign up today and give this year to really being different. And if you do, I'll see you on the inside there inside the forum. All right, folks. That's the first episode of 2022, episode number 122. See you next week with Karen Newhoff. For more resources, visit stevecusswords.com or missyoualliance.org. 